What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Monday, April 14th, 2014, and you guys are listening to episode 154, part two. I know, I know, I know I was supposed to do it with Lawhead after I did part one due to scheduling and traveling on the West Coast, and then Lawhead was going to do it a day or two after. We had to travel to Sacramento. We had to get in a car. Then we all I had to hop on a plane. Those guys stayed in San Francisco. It did not work out. However, you're still getting two hours this week, so here's how this is going to go. I'm putting both hours out today, so... I'm sitting here and I am recording uh, part two. What I will do in this episode is, you know, recap the West Coast tour uh, of the All In Tour, um, which was basically myself, Joe Bartnick, Jason Lawhead. We will, uh, I mean, I will talk to you guys about that, finish that up, give you a great podcast with that, and then I am going to uh, put out episode 155 today or tomorrow as well. So you're going to get two this week within 24 hours. And I don't have to worry about scheduling or guests or being on the road. So if I didn't, I would have no excuses. That's why I'm sitting here now. Anyway, I don't owe you people that explanation. Okay, you lucky pigs are lucky. I'm doing this right now. Um, I don't ask for donations, so get off my back. Thank you so much, though, for the... um, Thank you so much for the positive feedback on the last one with Joe Bartnick. Um, We had a great time out west, man. I want to thank everybody, you know, everybody who came out. And and it was so cool to be at some of these places and have genuine, like, fans, people that knew us um, from not only, um, you know, Bill Burr's podcast who who put us on and sponsored the tour, but people who knew knew us from our own podcast. Uh, Bartnick does a podcast. Lawhead does uh, one. And Bartnick actually does two. He does insensitivity training with Court McCown, and then he does a puck off one with uh, this guy Fraser Smith. So um, people knew about that. People knew about the Verzi effect coming up to me after the show, saying, "Oh man, I love the I love the podcast." So thank you so much to everybody in Los Angeles, San Diego, um, Seattle, Portland. San Francisco, Sacramento, thank you all so much who came out, Uh, you guys know who you are, I appreciate it so much, I'm glad you guys uh, like the posters, we we had these really cool posters um, that say Bill Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast presents the All In Tour, and it's just a cool little kind of vintage poster that we were selling, and people really seem to love them, and uh, line up for them, and they're coming to the East Coast. So again, thank you so much to everybody. We had such a good time. Um, you know, it was just one of those trips where, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You're excited about it, but you know, we were performing on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, some clubs like Portland, the the comedy club is not even open on the fucking Monday. You know, and um, is that my fucking cat? Ah, hold on. Sorry about that, everybody. My cat's outside the door, you know, hitting the thing. At least it wasn't my daughter waking up. Anyway, um, so, yeah, like Helium in Portland is closed on Monday. And, uh, you know, we had a, a nice turnout for that. So so thank you uh, to everybody. Parlor Live, which um, is the best comedy club out there in Seattle, or Bellevue. I guess they're going to be opening one in Seattle. Bellevue, which is right across the way, had a great time there. The, the Madhouse in San Diego. Thank you. 
Thank you to the Punchline in San Francisco. We were there on um, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then thank you to the Punchline in Sacramento where we finished the uh, West Coast leg um, Thursday night. So just awesome. Uh, I do have a story that uh, I will tell you guys um, about that, uh, about the Sacramento room. It's something that I think, I think whether you're a comedy fan, a comedy nerd, or a comedian, I think it's something you need to hear because we had a really great discussion about it, and that was the last night. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, but uh, yes, and again, I'm sorry, Lawhead is not on this one, but I'm sure he'll talk about it on his podcast. Check his podcast out, uh, Lawhead's Court. I was on it um, two weeks ago. I was also on uh, Joe Bartnick's Insensitivity Training with Court McCown. You can check that out. So. A uh, lot of stuff to get to. We had a lot of fun out there um, in, in L.A. We had a great time. Went to a Dodger game, which was great. I talked about that with Barnick. But um, just so much fun out west. I'm not a big weed smoker. I don't smoke weed. But when I was out west, you know, there was like the most incredible weed. So like I would hit like one or two times and just be fucking done. Like, we smoked this weed in Seattle, I swear to God. This weed in Seattle was so good. They said, like, when Snoop Dogg comes to town, that's what he gets. It's called caviar. I took one hit of this shit, and I was like, I realized why these people see fucking Bigfoot. I, I, I couldn't believe. I've never... Lawhead took three hits, and he was high for two days. I'm not even kidding. It, it was the most insane shit, insane smell. It smelled like apples and coffee. Um, it was just nuts, but, uh, we talked about the weed and all that. What I want to get to is something that happened in Sacramento. Oh, by the way, real quick, we're playing poker at Chris Neff's house. Shout out to Chris Neff for having us. We had a great night out there. We're playing poker out there. And this is something that me and Lawhead were going to talk about, but, uh, I'm just going to, I'm, I'll just talk about it now. Um, because obviously he's not here, but we're playing and we're there with a buddy who's drunk as shit, like crazy drunk, but like in the game, you know, and like playing poker and into it. And, uh, Chris Neff had a good hand. So everybody kind of like folds and it's between Chris and, uh, this other dude, Peyton, Peyton Clarkson, hilarious comic, nice kid from Alabama. And, uh, so they're playing and, uh, you know, Peyton's drunk and shit, you know, so we're sitting there and there's two kings and two fives on the board, okay? So Chris didn't want to take advantage of somebody being drunk, so he kind of kind of flashes a five to show, look, dude, I'm holding the boat, okay? I got the two kings, I got the two fives, it's over, Okay. And Peyton's drunk and he's like trying to like overplay this hand. And he just starts looking around at everybody. He goes, man, I don't think he's got it. And we just all start fucking crying. And Lawhead goes, well, you're looking at it. And I am crying of laughter. Because like it was like a dude trying to be like in rounders. He was trying to be like Matt Damon, but there was nothing to. So like Lawhead was like, what do you think he's bluffing that he doesn't have four of a kind like he's got it? But just the way he said it in his southern accent, he's like, man, I don't think he's got it. We were howling, crying. So much fun. Such a fun night in Los Angeles we had. And, um, 
yeah, I, I had such a great time out there performing at the Improv and, and on a Friday night in Hollywood. It was sick. So, um, but that was the funny. I don't think he's got it. And he's and he's and he's he had a full boat. He had it, like he showed it to him, and he still was trying to play the hand. But here's what happens. Here's what happens in Sacramento. Okay, so this should be a lesson, or or just a I I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but we will talk about it now. I'm on stage in Sacramento, and it's a great show. Uh, Lawhead went up first after the host and killed, and then I went up. So what we did on the tour was we alternate who closes the show, just kind of, you know, where they're either just like a rotation, like, um, you know, Burr pretty much hosted and then closed Largo. I mean, like out of us three, Bartnick went last at Largo, but we had a guest spot, Pete Davidson, then Lawhead, uh, then me, then Bartnick, but then Bill pretty much went out and closed with like 10, 12, or 15 minutes or something, so there really wasn't a closer other than Bill on the first one, it was kind of just an order, uh, but out of us three, Bartnick did go last, then in San Diego, uh, in San Diego, Lawhead closed, then in Seattle and Portland, I closed, and then Bartnick closed San Fran and uh, Sacramento because he spent 18 years in San Fran and he knows that area well. He's got fans out there. So that's so for the people that were wondering, oh, how did the tour go? Who closed it? That's pretty much it. So now on the East Coast, you know, we'll, we'll alternate closing. You know, if we do five shows in Cleveland, Lawhead will probably close the majority of them because he's from Cleveland. You know, me, probably Jersey, New York, Connecticut, shit like that. So anyway, that's how that worked. But so, Lawhead goes up to Sacramento and has a great set he kills. And I go on, and I'm having a good time, but I notice right in the front row to the uh, stage left, there's two young kids there. I would say, when I say young, I would probably say 23, 24, anywhere from 21 to 24, 25 tops. And one kid just has his foot up on the stage. His heel is just sitting on the stage. And it's an elevated stage. And the host and lawhead didn't mention it. I don't know if they were doing it to them the way that they were, you know, the way that I saw it. But I'm just on stage and I'm having a great time and I'm comfortable and I'm having a great set. And I just keep looking at this dude's foot and and it was bothering me. And they weren't heckling, they weren't saying anything, but it was bothering me. And nobody was saying anything, and I'm not doing a long set, but I have to address it. In my mind, I have to address it. So, finally, I'm just like, I look at them, and they're both wearing mesh shorts. So I just stop, after one of my bits, I just stop, and I look at these two dudes, and I was just like, I was like, what do you guys, come from a fucking basketball game? And the whole place starts laughing because they see how they're dressed. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you, you people in Sacramento, you fucking animals. I start calling them animals. And I start just shitting on, like, you know, just like how they're dressed. And I'm just like, are you serious? And they're just kind of looking. I'm like, this guy's just got done, you know, playing a pickup game. And they're like, yeah, fuck it, let's go to the comedy club. And, you know, it looked like they were, like, I, I mentioned something about them having Gatorade gum or something. I just started shitting on them. And then I go, yeah, dude, make, your, make, your, make yourself at home. Keep your foot on the stage or your foot's on the stage thinking that this dude would get it. And he kind of just leaves it there. And I start going, I get a good laugh. And like, I start to like finally look at the, like I'm looking at the foot and it's still up there. 
Now, in my mind, I'm saying to myself, like all of my heroes and everybody that I really love and respect and, and the inner, the, the, the better comedian in me, you know, the, 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 the comedian of late, you know, of me in the last, you know, three or four years is saying, I can't allow this. I can't fucking allow this, you know, and, and I, I was the only one to bring it up, but I, I didn't, I couldn't allow, I couldn't let this happen all the while I'm having a great set and I'm killing on stage in Sacramento on this tour, but it still was just bothering me. And then I just kind of kept looking and looking and I said something again and I go, yeah, and the club just let you do it, huh? And I said something and the club still didn't do anything about it. Still didn't tell this fucking kid to take his foot off. He's, you know, he's like, he's like in a recliner and it's bugging the shit out of me. And then finally I looked again and then in like you know 10 to 15 like maybe 10 minutes left in my set the dude put his foot down and you know and then don't get me wrong they were laughing and it was great and I you know I had to say something I could have went harder but they were laughing I could tell the kid wanted to say something at the end when he was leaving he was like yeah you know I was gonna say something but or whatever and I had him genuinely laughing but the the, the point of this story is if you're on com- if you're a comedian and you're on stage okay Here's the deal, and you could use this to help you, or you could ignore it, whatever, but I'm telling you this right now. If that happens, and you're thinking about it, and you decide to plow through, and you don't want to deal with it, you're a weaker comedian. Unless it's a showcase where there's industry there, unless it really doesn't bother you, and you're killing, but if it really bothers you, and you want to say something, and you don't, you're hurting yourself, and you're holding yourself back as a comic. Hands fucking down, okay? I literally was on that stage and I was thinking of what Patrice O'Neill would be doing as saying, what Bill Burr would be doing. All the guys that I love, all the guys that do it honest and right. I was like, and, and, and it wasn't even because of them I said something. It was because of them I needed my feelings to be said. And that's the difference. And that's what I knew. You know what I mean? I knew that had I not said anything, I would have basically succumbed and been bullied by an audience member, and I couldn't allow that, and that is something that I really took from that Sacramento show. I did a great job. I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my horn. I did. I did a great job. I had a great set. Bartnick came on and murdered after me. It was great. Lawhead fucking killed. It was all of us did our thing. The club was so happy to have us there. They said that the club, that uh, like the crowd would be tweeting more than ever about the show because they don't get to see three guys like that, you know, a three headliner show. And it was really nice. But what I took was this, this thing that happened. And I didn't go as hard as I wanted. I did call them animals. I did make fun of the place. I did, you know, obviously call them underdressed. Said it looked like they came from a fucking basketball game. I said, you know, wow, the you know the club allows it. I did those things that I had to do, um, and and it eventually worked. But um, if you're ever on stage, and I've seen it, and I've seen inexperienced comedians, and if you're not ready for it, fine. But I'm just telling you that throwing yourself into that. And find, getting that experience is worth it and something you should do. To not address it is is kind of just saying, I'm not ready yet or I'm not experienced yet. And so what? Let's just say the guy gets the best of you or that happens. At least you'll know for the next time or at least you threw yourself in that situation. You know, um, one thing I always think back and, and I always remember was when I was a younger comic, uh, you know, and, and I was going out to get paid gigs. I went to this hell gig. 
for this guy. I did great for him one time with the, at this cop thing, all the cops and wives in Jersey, and I had a great time and killed. And then uh, with Carl LaBeouf, the legendary Carl LaBeouf, who used to open for Sam Kinison, and then they put me and Carl together, and it was all like, I think like firemen and police, no wives, these guys were wearing fucking t-shirts, dressed like fucking animals, pitchers of beer, and the, the microphone stand sucked, and I go on stage and... You know, it was just there were there were tables talking and I did all my best material early to get him and it didn't work. I had nowhere to go. This guy starts yelling shit. And by the end, I had nothing. I had nowhere to go. Nothing to do. They were talking. And I basically just said, you know what? Fuck you guys. I was I wasn't going to stand there and take a fucking you know, I wasn't going to for what was going on in my experience. I was just like, you know what? For you guys, I wanted to hear real comedy. You know, thank you to the rest of you guys. Fuck you. And I just walked off and left and some people booed. And I always said I would never put myself in that situation again or I would always be prepared. So you're going to have hard times and you're going to go through shit. But, you know, and that, that was year. I mean, that was a long, long time ago. But, you know, now I'm on stage years later and this guy's foot was on there and I wanted to fucking, I wanted to cut it off with a chainsaw. You know, I really, I, I would have, like, if I would have just pulled out a chainsaw and cut his leg off from, like, the bottom of the knee down, and people were just screaming, and obviously the tour would be over, but, like, blood was spewing everywhere, and people were screaming, going, oh, my God, and I'm just laughing like a maniac, and I just fucking throw his leg, and I'm like, keep your feet off the fucking stage. Like, that's what I felt during my set, so I can't not address it, is, is my point. But... Other than that, it was great. The whole thing was absolutely great. It was a great time. And, um, you know, it, it was one of those things where we'll, we've learned so much, too. You learn so much from going on tour with buddies and um, guys that are also inexperienced to just tour. Because a lot of times you tour with somebody like, you know, I'll tour with Burr. Or like, you know, you go on the road with a big guy. Or, or you just headline yourself. And it, it is what it is. But when you go on a multi-city tour with guys that have never kind of been through it, we learn like how to set up the merchandise and get it all done with the person like beforehand and, and, and where we need to be and, 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 you know, how and when, you know, you get paid when you're on a tour, all little things that you don't think would be a, a, a big deal. You learn from it and it was great. And then, and then the food, man, Bartnick took us to this place uh, in San Francisco, uh, the mission uh, neighborhood. And I went to this place, Cancun something. I got the greatest burrito. I got the greatest burrito of all time. It was called a, like the wet back burrito, so it's this big burrito, and you know they put everything in it, uh, you know beef, and and the rice and the beans and, and the vegetables or whatever. But then on top they have like this white and green and red hot sauce that goes all over it, and then melted cheese on top, and they put it back in the oven that way. It was the by far. It was the size of a football, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to eat this thing. And I had to take some of it back with me because it literally was like the size of an NFL football. It was, it was, it was almost embarrassing how big it was. Um, like it was the type of thing where like if you saw an attractive woman sit down and eat the whole thing, you couldn't date her because you'd be like, this chick's either got a tapeworm or something's not right here. Like there's no way, you know what I mean? Like you, I could never have, you know, with a, a, a chick with a digestive tract like that, you could never date. But I had to bring some of it back. But it was insane. I mean, it was one of the tastiest. Oh my god, outrageous, Out, outrageous food. And and I for one have to give a little more credit to the food in the West Coast 
because I had incredible burritos. I had a burrito that was the best burrito I ever had in my life in San Diego. And Joe Bartnick said it was like fucking fast food bullshit compared to what we had. And he was right. Like I had a real gourmet, sick, insane, greatest burrito you'll ever have in your life burrito in San Francisco. Um, it was, yeah, the food out there was, was really, really good. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I love the Italian food. I love the pizza here in New York, but you can really get some good stuff out there. You know, it's definitely underrated or underrated to people on the East coast who think their food is the best. I should say, um, we were in San Francisco and a shout out to Jack, Jack Murray. Uh, Jack is a friend of a friend who now is my friend, but he hooked us up, man, in San Francisco, and um, we got to, you know, he's got this deck really high up in um, in North Beach, and um, from the deck, you just see Alcatraz during the day. Before the fog comes in, you see it so clear right there, and then you look to the left, and you see the Golden Gate Bridge. Just an absolutely insane city and unbelievable views. This is my first time in San Francisco ever and uh, I got nothing but great things to say about it. 100% just awesome. You know, and I, I it was one of those things where I was like, man, this is such an amazing view that like it's it, it was like the equivalent to just sitting on a beach like those people that just love to sit on a beach they love to look at the water and just hang out and they could do that for hours which I can't do cuz after a while I get so hot I want to go in the water and then leave this was just staring at Alcatraz and the Golden Gate Bridge with fog going over but you see the water and the boats going by you can literally just sit up there smoke a cigar have a drink and just sit there for hours it was awesome and we were grilling up there, and this guy was uh, Bartnick's friend for years, and, you know, it was so, so thanks to Jack. We were calling it Jack's Bar and Grill. It was such a great time. So, so awesome. And San Francisco, uh, you know, everybody was telling me that it'll be one of my favorites, and, you know, it's definitely up there probably in my top five, five to seven, you know, cities in America right now. The only places I really haven't performed, it's very few places that I haven't been now. That I, I think we are going to be going to, like, uh, yeah, oddly, Florida, Arizona, the two places, yeah, the, the Dakotas, I haven't been to Montana, the Dakotas, have I performed, yes, I'm sorry, Florida I have performed, and I've performed in Tallahassee, I've performed in Miami, so yeah, Florida is off the list, uh, maybe Virginia, have I performed, in, no, I have not performed in Virginia, Arizona, Colorado, the Dakotas, Montana, and I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, Wyoming. I have not performed in Wyoming either. So that's pretty good, though, if you think about it. So that's one, two of the Dakotas. Wyoming, Montana, that's four. Arizona, Colorado, that's six. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe one or two other ones, but I'm getting down to, you know, covering the map. And every place is different. Every place is awesome. Every place has insane food if you go to the right place. Um, and and the again, I can't. I don't want to keep harping on it. And I'll talk about it later. You know, within sports. But that Dodger Stadium is top five, and hands down. Um, I do want to um, talk about some sad news about the passing of uh, John Panette. Um, 
John Panette was truly, truly one of the funniest dudes you will ever see. That guy killed on a level that was just... That guy's set was like everybody's closer. You know, he just would fucking destroy a room. And he couldn't have been nicer to me. Uh, I mentioned it on Facebook, and I'll tell the story here on the podcast. Uh, By the way, this is Verzi Effect Podcast, uh, episode 154, part 2. Sorry it's late, but you're going to get 155 this week as well. So you'll be all caught up, and you'll have shit. You'll have two hours of listening to my ass, okay? And we'll be back back to schedule. Um, Years ago, my manager has said to me, my first manager... He said to me, um, hey, you know, I got you going up to Poughkeepsie, which is a room I was very familiar with because I went to high school up in Hopewell Junction, John Jay High School. I went to, um, I was up there for, from 8th grade to 12th grade. So I was actually not in Westchester for those five years. I was in Dutchess County. And um, Bananas Comedy Club in Poughkeepsie is a staple. It's been there since the 80s, and it's still there. It moved over to the Casper Kill Country Club. I have not been there since it's moved. But I saw, you know, Chris Rock there and, and um, you know, they, they put me on and, and that was one of the places that, you know, now I, I headline there and, and it's, um, you know, it's like I said, one of their clubs, the one in uh, the one in Jersey has been there since 89 and the one in Poughkeepsie has been there since um, 86 or maybe that's reversed. Maybe the one in Jersey started first in 86 and the one in Poughkeepsie has been 89. Either way, I saw um, a lot of comedy there. And uh, John Panette, my manager, says, yeah, you're going to go up there with John Panette. And I knew who who that was. And he was like, "Um, John's a great guy, this and that. And, you know, so I get there and and, uh, Panette is so nice and so funny and and gracious. And he's talking to me and we're, we're talking and he's saying that I'm very funny and that, you know, just having a nice conversation. I'm watching this guy kill. It was like 500 people. All all his shows there were sold out and it was amazing. And... Um, he said to me, uh, hey man, you want to come in the green room with me? Or, so we go in the green room and he sits down and we just start talking about comedy and what was going on with comedy during that time. And then, um, he says, here, you know, this is for you. And he just hands me like a bunch of twenties, like he used to hands me money. And, um, I didn't know what to, what to think or say. So I was like, oh, John, I can't accept that. And he was like, oh, you have to. He was like, well, you have to. Like, he, he, so as a matter of factly, he refused my refusal so adamantly that it wasn't even one of those things where I could go, okay, are you sure? He was just like, you have to. Like, he almost, he was almost offended, you know, and he was just like, listen, I know what it's like coming up in this business, and, you know, I make a buck, so here you go. And it was just such a, and like, that's, that's what that dude was. And, um, I heard, I don't know, whatever he was 50 years old or or whatever and you know uh, way too young to you know to be gone but um obviously that those guys out al- that guy's albums you know and and the stuff he did will never be forgotten and do yourself a favor if you're not familiar with John Panette or if you um you know have not if you heard his name but you never really saw you know just just watch his comedy i mean he took the the whole fat guy eating to a level that like nobody could really do it again and that's how you know somebody is great like there's certain things that you can't you know it's kind of like you don't want to have too much of an Italian act because Dom Herrera did it all you know 
Uh, same with with John Panette. It's like you're doing fat food jokes. It's like you better be completely original or different because he nailed every aspect of it and killed so hard with it. But he also had a lot of other funny stuff. So um, great comedian. Uh, rest in peace, John Panette. Thank you for. It, it was an honor and a pleasure to work with a guy like that and, and you know, give, giving a young comedian money. Thank you for that and uh, thoughts and prayers out to his family. So I just wanted to say that on the show that uh, comedy lost a true, true great stand-up, uh, true great stand-up comedian and very talented. He was also in Hairspray. He played the female role in Hairspray, the one that Travolta played in the movie. John Panette had a, had a run on Broadway doing that. He was in a couple of movies. I think he was in Nerds or Revenge of the Nerds. He was in uh, The Punisher. He was in other stuff, so just a super, super talented guy and, um, you know, I just wanted to say that. So uh, rest in peace. John Panette. Okay. What else do we have going on? Should we talk a little movies before we get into Unacceptable? Why not? Um, well, the new release movie that I've been watching probably 50 or 60 times is the movie Frozen with my kids. And uh, I got to tell you, this movie... Is gets better every time I see it. At first, I was like, "Oh man, this is too much of a musical," you know. Like you know, the kids are singing it and they know it, and I'm just like, "This is too much of a musical." Then you watch it. It's a. I heard it was. A, it's the most gross, grossing like money grossing movie ever that Disney's ever done. So it just totally destroyed any other numbers that they've done. And you watch it, and you're like, "This is actually good." Like I'm not I'm not into like a, a singing everything, but like the songs now, like I'm like wow, this is actually good. You know, I, I'm just like listening to the words. I'm like, this is heartbreaking. That song, do you want to build a snowman? It's just like fucking about being alone and not having it. It's a fucking heartbreaking song, and and it's deep, and the movie's good, and the and the the writing was great. So this movie, Frozen, man, if you got kids, I mean, I'll be honest with you, if you don't have kids, it's not bad. I mean, it'll be a little weird if like you know. A grown man in his 40s or 50s just showed up and was like, yeah, let me get frozen and then watched it. But at the, at the same time, it's a, it's good. It's actually good. And my kids know the lyrics to all the songs. We were watching it. Uh, you know, my, my wife is singing the song while she's cooking. The other day, I'm walking around. I got the song in my head. We got the CD in the car that they know, you know, back my two-year-old daughter singing it. So uh, Frozen, man, knocked it out of the park. I really, I really enjoyed it, and I guess you have to have kids to 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 really get it because you get it, it almost gets forced. It's like those bad songs that are, like are on the radio and catchy. This isn't a bad movie, but it's just something you normally wouldn't watch, and now it's catchy, and you like the songs and you like the story. So check out Frozen, Disney's. I think it's Disney, right? Well, whatever it is, it's for any animated. I think it broke all the records financially, but I do think that it did. It is a, it is Disney. Um, what else did I see? I was going to see my manager and I were went out to dinner last night, and I was going to see uh, Captain America, but I didn't because uh, my wife would be like, "All right, Dick, you were away for twenty days last month, and you were away for about ten and a half days this month. Like, can you come home?" And uh, and she was a hundred percent right. I didn't even ask to go to the movies, but she was just like, "You're coming home, right?" And that's when I told my manager, I was like, "Yeah, we could eat, but I can't go to the movies." And I'm not one of those, like, I need permission from my wife and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if my wife would have said, why the fuck are you going to the movies? You haven't been home. 
even though the kids are sleeping, it it, it it wouldn't have been a good move. That's one thing you gotta. That's one thing dudes need to do. You gotta pick your battles. You know, you really do. You gotta you gotta know. Listen, if you're going head on into a fight with your woman, you gotta have some ammo. And when you give her all the ammo and you just you're backed into a corner. Like you're just sitting and 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 fires coming and you can't do anything. It's stupid, and that's what exactly me going to Captain America would have been. I'd have taken more heat than the dude did in the movie. I couldn't do it. You know? Oh yeah, I'm gonna just stroll in at midnight on a Sunday because I performed, and then instead of coming right home, I had dinner with my manager, and then I went to see a superhero movie in in, in my fucking thirties while I'm married. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. That would have been ridiculous. That would have been a, um, a unacceptable. But speaking of unacceptable, let's get right into this week's unacceptable for the week. And it takes place on an airplane, everybody. That's right. So uh, unacceptable for the week is people not understanding or getting annoyed when you have to go to the bathroom and you're at the window seat. So two fucking assholes got to get up. Okay? Oh, yeah. I'm fired up for this one. Buckle up, folks. Buckle up for this one. I get on this fucking airplane, okay, at 645 in the morning, okay, to fly home. I could have done this on episode 155, but I'll have another, I'll have another unacceptable on episode 155 for you guys. Okay, which are, which is also coming out today. So you're getting a you you guys are getting a double whammy here, all right? Because I'm making up for shit. I get on this airplane. I should have flown Air, Virgin America. By the way, Virgin America is the shit, hands down. Game over. They win. Fly Virgin America. It's over. It's over. It's comfortable. All the jets are new. It's ridiculous. It's it's entertainment-wise. You get everything. You could order food and drink during the entire flight, alcoholic or anything like that. Drinks you could get. You want a sandwich. You want a snack box. Anything. You just go to the screen. You click eat. It goes right to your thing, and the lady walks down the aisle with it. It's insane. It's like having a restaurant at your, you know, I mean, obviously not great food, but it's it's awesome. So, But I want a direct flight. I don't like stopping. Okay, that's the thing. You fly on like Southwest and these other airlines. You you know you spend fifty bucks on a ticket, but you got to go to fucking London to get to Orlando. I I don't do that. You know it, it's just silly to me. I'd rather I I would rather pay an extra hundred and fifty dollars to sit on an airplane and go to where I want to go without having to you know connect here, connect there. Oh you know you you go to Boise and then Amsterdam and then you'll get to fucking Miami by ten o'clock. You know two days from now. Fuck that. I'm not doing it. So I get on this plane, I fly Delta to uh, Delta from San Francisco, San Francisco to uh, JFK, okay, and I gotta, I'm going to talk about the flight because of course it's my last flight of, of the tour, of all these tours, it was my 15th flight of the year, I've been on 15 airplanes this year. Okay, last year, the entire year was 17. We're not even in the middle of April, or we're in the middle of April, I should say, and I've been on 15. So, Delta Direct, I go to my seat, and I said to the lady, and I was really psyched because we booked it real quick. I had my wife do it while I was on the road, and I looked, and I saw that it was a middle seat, and I flew to L.A. in a middle seat, and it was an absolute nightmare. 
That's another thing. Pay, spend more money for the window. Or the aisle if you have to, but the window's the best because you just put something against the wall, you lean back, and you sleep the whole way. So I'm comfortable enough on a plane where I could sleep the whole way. Or I'm so tired I don't even give a fuck to be scared. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever. So I go I, I go up to the lady, and I was like, yeah, can I get a... Uh, can I switch my flight? Can I, I mean, can I switch my seat? And she's like, oh, you know, we have a full flight. Leave your ticket up here. And if something opens up, I'll, I'll give it to you. So they call me up right as the plane starts to board. And she gives me another seat. And it's down in like, you know, f- down in the plane, like row 35, um, right near the wing. And it was like right where the plane divides before it goes to the back of the plane. So I had more leg room, but the seat can't really go back. But I had a lot of leg room and it was a window. So I go in, there's a woman sitting next to me in the middle, and then there's some dude at the end. Now me, I don't go to the bathroom a lot. That's just not what I do. You know, I take a leak before I get on the plane. I don't drink a lot of shit. I sit there and I either want to sleep or or do whatever and and just kind of zone out and relax. And I I know I'm in the window. I don't want to get up. I don't want to be a bother to whatever. So I'm sitting there and hours go by. And I'm sleeping and hours go by. And I see one of the people get up to go to the bathroom. Then I see the other one. So both people in my row have gone to the bathroom. We're like four hours into the flight. So we got, a, you know, whatever, an hour and 20 something left. And I could hold it, but I'm just like, why? Let me stretch out my legs. So I get up to go to the bathroom. And this asshole in the aisles got his fucking laptop out. And he's all right. He's just, you know, he's just one of these fucking dopes just sitting there looking at his laptop. He, he doesn't know any better. And he's in the aisle. He doesn't care. This woman next to me, who I would, went out of my way to be nice. Like when I first sat down, I go, oh, wow, he's got extra leg room. And she was kind of like, yeah, and smiled. But like at first not like, I don't know. I, she, there was something off with her. Okay. Then I do find out that she's going to Paris. And I think she was French. Okay, which explains if she was if she was just naturally a cunt, that that explains it, you know, because they they just have that natural shitty fucking stupid, you know, shitty attitude, especially towards Americans. So I'm sitting there and I get up and I'm like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. And she almost is annoyed. And like, I'm like walking to the bathroom and I'm like, is this bitch annoyed? How unacceptable is that, that I've been sitting here for four or five hours, minding my business, sleeping, keeping my space, you know, I don't have my leg go off into somebody else's fuck, you know, space or anything like that. I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm like, what the hell is this? She's, and then the guy gets up and he doesn't say anything and I get out and I go to the bathroom. I'm just sitting there and I, you know, I take a piss in the bathroom and I'm standing up and I'm trying to stretch my legs and my knees. And, you know, I do this thing where I put my arms up and try to stretch like my vertebrae and my back. There's this shit that I learned. You know, if you, you know, I got I don't have a great back. So all this stuff I'm doing and I'm just like thinking to myself, like they should, like I've been on planes where people are like, oh sure, no problem. I get it. You know, people that fly a lot or people that, fly, you know, and it's like, I got to think like these people are pissed off. That's unacceptable. So then I go back. But I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm still not angry yet. Like, I'm just kind of thinking like, oh, they didn't say anything. Maybe they just got up. So it'll be cool. Here's the thing that fucking really, really, really pissed me off. Okay, and this is the part I almost forgot. These fucking assholes sitting in my row didn't get up to get out. They leaned back. So I had to like slide past them with their knees going against my ass. And I was so tired and didn't want to deal with it. But I'm like, fuck you, get up. Get up. 
You fu- I'm sorry I'm inconveniencing you, you fucking nerd on a laptop and, and your stupid glasses and your dumb mustache. Stand up, dick. I should have just been like, can you guys get up, please? Can you get up and get out so I can, I can't, I, can, I have a bad back. Okay, get up. Get up. I should have just fucking been an asshole and made it awkward for the rest of the flight. I swear to God, man, one of these days I'm going to snap. They don't even get up, so then I, and I'm still saying sorry, like the dumb, nice jackass that I am, I'm still saying sorry, so then I come back, and guess what happens when I get back from the bathroom, they don't get up again, I slide past the guy, I slide past the lady, and then stupid, nice Paul looks at her, and goes, oh, sorry, like, sorry to be an inconvenience, and she, instead of saying no problem, she was like, it's okay, or something, like, in other words, you should be sorry, oh, my God, so the unacceptable is me being that nice, and these fucking assholes put me in a position where they're dicks, first of all, don't, don't act like it's, don't act like it's my problem that I have to take a piss, because I'm in the window seat, okay, that's unacceptable, and not getting out of your seat is unacceptable, get the fuck up, and move out of the way, And there was a lot of turbulence on this flight, and I, I, they should have been. I hope they were crying. I wanted them to cry and be scared. Get up and get out of the way. Unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable behavior to fucking not even get up. And then when I'm the nice guy saying, "Oh, sorry about that," you kind of look like it's okay. Like, yeah, you did convenience me. You did inconvenience me, but it's okay. Fuck you. Unacceptable. You French asshole. Awful, absolutely awful. And if there's any French people listening to this and I offended you, fuck good. Good, your people suck and you got bad attitudes towards Americans. Change it. With your stupid fucking face and your dumb... Shut up. Go eat a block of cheese and choke on wine, you fucking pricks. Unless you're a nice French person. But you know, you know these people that they, they just have a chip on their shoulder. Unacceptable. You, I can't get out of my seat. You're not going to get up. That's the most rude thing ever. I did that in a movie theater once and I was like, why am I doing this? Just stand up or at a baseball game. Unless, unless there's enough room where, where their ass isn't going to scrape your torso. They, they get up. Oh my God. So pissed off at that. Unacceptable. All right, I got to try to get back to funny now because I, I, I got angry just now. Um, how are you not going to get out of your seat? I don't understand that. You know how, how close those court, how, how fucking, how, how scrunched up you are, how, how, how there's no room? There's no room. I mean, fine, maybe our aisle had a little more leg room, but you don't get up. You're just going to sit there and then try to make me feel guilty? I got enough women in my life trying to make me feel guilty. I need this bitch going to France to fucking act like I inconvenienced her. Unacceptable. I urge everybody listening to this show right now. TVE episode 154 part 2. I urge everybody, if you're in the window seat of an airplane and you get up, just stand there and look at them. And if they kind of lean back for you to walk past, just keep standing there and keep looking at them until they get up. You shut up. All right, moving on. What do we got next? Um, did movies, talked about Frozen. I liked it. Uh, unacceptable for the week. Okay, let's get into some sports here. Um, I think I'm back with the Yankees, everybody. I, I, I was thinking about it, and I look at it like this. 
We don't have the highest payroll this year, so they can't say that because it's the Dodgers. We don't have A-Rod. Teixeira is hurt again. We have a bunch of new guys. Mariano's not there. Jeter didn't play already two games in a row. Who knows what's going on with that? We got a bunch of you know guys that we've are, are coming up. I th- I like it. If like this is a type of Yankee team where if they won, it would just be it would add it would add such just oh it, it would add so much angst to the people that hate the Yankees. You know the people that always say. Well, the Yankees are, you know, well, look at the 200 some million dollars and, and the highest payroll. And look, they're infield. And, and granted, you know what? When they had Cano and A-Rod and Jeter and Teixeira in the infield, it was a little ridiculous. Now we don't have that. Now we got some younger guys. We got some guys that are going, you know, come up. We've had money off the books. We did spend some money, of course, but we also, you know, uh, aren't the highest payroll. And, and it's not superstar after superstar. So I'd love the Yankees to win. And it makes me want to watch more. You know, I haven't seen anything that Cano's been doing, and I'll always pull for that guy, but I'm back with the Yankees, man. I'm excited, and it'll give me something to do during the week when I'm not running around on stage, because uh, in the past, I think, 40, in the past month and a half or so, um, I've only been off stage maybe five days. I mean, I've been working every night, and I've missed a ton of sporting events. I've basically missed the NCAA tournament. Um, I did see, obviously... um, some of the Kentucky, but every game we, I mean, every night we were performing. So, or, or almost every night. So I missed a lot of that. But the nice thing about baseball is it's so long and there are so many, you know, days that they play that on the day off that I'll have, it'll be nice to just sit down and watch the Yankees. But I think I'm back and I'm rooting for them, you know, as much as I want them to win. And I do, cause I'm a Yankee fan. Like this is a great year because they're, they're you know, because all those people that, like, hate on the Yankees, it would be so great to be like, yeah, but what happened in, you know, 2014? 2014, they, you know, they had a bunch of young guys. There was a lot of injuries, and they still they still did it, and then they wouldn't be able to say anything. Um, I was going to say something else, but I will talk about that on episode, um, on episode 155 here. So uh, what else do we going to – what else – are we going to talk about here? I know that um, there are some dates just to people to, for people who were asking and stuff. The app, the the definite dates for the All In uh, comedy tour, the All In tour that uh, me, Joe Bartnick, and Jason Lloyd will be doing on the East Coast. We will definitely be at Helium in Philadelphia. That is on my website right now. Um, the weekend after Memorial Day, I believe the twenty eighth, 29th, and thirtieth. We are at Hilarities in Cleveland, but that's also on Hilarities website and my website. My website is all updated with upcoming dates um, now through July, and I will continue, you know, add and fill in stuff. But uh, I have this great calendar system where I could just plug it in and it goes right to my website. So those are all up right now. Uh, you could check that out. I'm also going to be putting up new video. I, I, I taped some video this week of some stuff, so you guys will be seeing that. And I got some some really cool stuff going on, cool announcements, um, getting ready in two or three weeks to uh, tape my album. Uh, I was talking to my manager about that last night, so I'm really excited to get that going too. But the dates, as far as this tour, we will be at Hilarities in Cleveland, the 20th, 29th, and 30th, I believe. We will be at Helium in Philly one day in June, only one day. 
Um, I think the 17th, 18th, and 19th of July, we will be at Laugh Boston. Those are definite, but we're also working on comics at Foxwoods, I think Buffalo, Syracuse, a bunch of other stuff here um, on the East Coast, and um, the tour has been getting rave reviews. We are really excited about what we're putting together on this thing and, and on stage, and everybody's really loving it. I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm proud to be on there with my boys, uh, Lawhead and Bartnick. And uh, Burr heard some reviews and contacted us from Europe, saying that uh, he was hearing great things and thanking us for, you know, for the for the for everything. And I mean, that guy's so great that he sponsored the thing and then thanked us. Um, you know, and and that Largo show for the people at Largo, that was a special thing to have Bill host and do all that time in between. It was just, um, it was awesome, and he did something really cool that I'll I'll talk about since uh, since this is the part two to to basically end the the tour uh, part of the podcasting. Um, you know, Bill hosts Largo, and he, they, you know they made announcements, and he just goes out there and like, I mean just started talking about something he read that day and he kills for like, you know, 12, 15 minutes, you know, just up top. And then he brings Pete Davidson out and Pete Davidson was running his Kimmel set and Pete just destroys. You guys remember Pete Davidson? He's a, he's a, he's on MTV2 a lot, Guy Code and Wildin' Out and he's actually going to be on, um, was it Sober Companion, a new Fox sitcom. And uh, I had Pete on my show two or three years ago about two two years ago, when when the stand was being construct, when the stand was under construction, Pete came to the stand and did my show at 17 years old, and um, great kid, awesome dude, and he goes up there, funny man, dude for 20 years old. I mean, this kid keeps always over, man. This kid is just gonna fucking. I mean, he's just a great comic for 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 20, you know, and and such a good kid and. Um, he goes on and murders for his, on his Kimmel set, and then Lawhead goes up, and all the while Bill is doing time in between. Now I've had the pleasure of opening for Bill's last few hours, and lately, when we were in Canada, Bill's new hour, which is you know what he's doing, and um, I'm obviously not going to give anything away, but there's a chunk of this hour that he's doing that. It's one of the best bits I ever heard about helicopter. It's a helicopter bit. And it's one of the best bits I've ever heard. Ever. Ever. I'll put it on... I will put this one bit on any comedy album ever of all time, including, you know, prior Carlin. Fuck. I mean, that's how good this joke is. It's one of the best bits you're ever going to hear in stand-up comedy. Fucking ever. I'll put it against anything. And Lawhead gets done his set, and I'm going next. And, you know... Bill just says something and he does like one or two minutes and I'm like, all right, now he's going to bring me up. (laughs) And he just goes into this helicopter bit, right? And it's about a four minute bit. And I swear to God, this Joe, he is destroying with this bit. And a part of me, like the, the comedian, like not realizing what was going on, I'm going, is this dude really doing the fucking one of the greatest bits of all time right before he brings me up? And then I'm just like, so so anyway, I go on stage after. And I'm not going to lie, man. I, I had a fucking, ins- I had a great, great set at Largo. It was, it was amazing. And it was, it was, and um, apparently, you know, there were some people there to see me and it just went really, really well. 
you know, or in my mind, there were people there to see me, and it went really, really well, okay, and um, afterwards, I'm in the green room, and we're done, Bartnick went up, and then Bill closed with another 10, 12 minutes of, of just brilliance, just great, great, just fucking killed, and then um, there were two green rooms, so people are walking around, and they had drinks, so, you know, comics are running around with beers, and everybody's hanging out and talking, and there were some other comics that were, like, hanging backstage to watch the show, and there was a time when me and Bill were just in, and this is some cool inside shit that I'm giving you guys who listen to the show. Um, there was just this cool little moment where I was sitting down and I looked at him and I go, dude, I'm literally thinking to myself when you go into that helicopter bit, I'm talking to Bill, I go, what the fuck is this? Why is this guy doing this fucking epic four or five minute, and I, and I didn't even mean it in a selfish way. I go, but like, this is like, because Bill, I'm looking at it from Bill's standpoint, like, and then it hit me what he did. And it, and it's so brilliant, and it's what he, he's doing is, he knows that I was just with him for 22 theater shows in 19 days, and he sees what I'm doing, and he knows that I'm sharp, and he he believes in us so much, so he wanted to set the president of this tour that, yeah, these guys can follow this. So as I'm telling him, and I'm going, wait a minute, I know, I t- I'm telling Bill, I go, when I'm first going, he's doing this epic bit before he brings me up. And then it hit me, and he starts smiling as I'm telling him it hit me. I go, then I realized, dude, what you were doing. I go, you were saying, yeah, dude, these guys can follow this. like this. And he just goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, you guys can follow it. I know you can. I want you to follow shit like that. And it was just so fucking great and smart, and that's why that show at Largo was really special. So, um, man, I'm giving you guys the goods on this one. Giving you that little fucking thing with the, the kid with his foot up, and then I'm telling you this shit... Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. So, um, just all around a great tour, all the cities again, thank you all who came out and thank you all who are new listeners to the Verzi effect podcast. This is just, uh, part two of the last one to close it out. Unfortunately, Jason Lawhead, uh, couldn't be on the show because of scheduling. So I figured I'm putting this out right now and then you were going to have the other one tonight. And then that gives you uh, two hours until next Monday. That'll be a little seven-day break, and you'll have two two new hours to catch up on. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, those people on the airplane sucked. Uh, you got to stand up when somebody's got to take a piss. See the movie Frozen, everybody. Uh, see it with your kids or just watch it. It was actually really, really good Disney movie. It really was. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and as does my, my kids, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you guys so much for listening keep the comments coming uh we are coming to um comedy clubs near you on the east coast so check for that also vinnie brand's room the stress factory in new brunswick that is a definite done deal those those dates will be up and posted soon so look for those um in the meantime in the interim i should say yeah in the the meantime until we get back together to do that i will be this week I will be tomorrow night. I will be at 9 o'clock. I will be at Stand Up New York in New York City. I feel like I haven't been in New York City for so long. I'll be at Stand Up New York in New York City this Friday. I will be hosting the 8 and the 10 o'clock shows at the Stand on Friday night. 
Saturday night, I will be at the Laughing Devil in Long Island City, Queens, doing an 8.15 and a 10.15 spot. So you could check those out. That's what I got going on this week, and uh, I will put more plugs on the next podcast. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Episode 154, Part 2. I will put it up right now. Enjoy it, and you will get another one later on. Uh, Thank you guys again, and until uh, about... 12, 13 hours from now, I'll talk to you soon.